Kevin has asked me to read our scripture passage from this morning. So we will be reading from Matthew 13, verse 1 to 9, and then pick it up again at 18 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then picking it up at verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as LNA alluded to, uh, we have uh, Kevin Cockhill with us this morning. So Kevin, would you come on up um, as uh, we prepare to hear uh, what God has laid on his heart? Um, just for those who have never heard Kevin before or don't know who Kevin is, I'm sure he'll introduce a little bit of himself, but Kevin is the executive, executive director, is that your title? <laughs> sure. Um, at Rural City Mission downtown. Um, it is uh, a church, but it is also a vital place where people are fed every day. Yeah, every day. And so um, it is uh, just a vital resource in our city, and uh, we are grateful to have Kevin with us this morning, and I'd just like to pray for you. So, Lord, thank you so much uh, for Kevin, for the vital work that Tim and his team do, and so many uh, volunteers and so many a part of this community are involved in. God, we are so grateful for their presence in this city and their light to, the, to this city. God, I pray that as Kevin shares with us this morning, that you would give him a profound sense of your spirit's leading and calling over his, uh, the word that you've given to him uh, for us this morning. So Lord, be with us all now as we, uh, as we jump into this uh, incredible um, parable, and uh, would you just guide Kevin now as he, as he speaks. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Justin. Hey, thanks, uh, music team, too, and, and all you tech people back there. It takes a lot of work to, to do that, eh? I think sometimes you forget when you're, when you're listening how much work goes into this. So thank you guys. That was awesome. 
The first thing I did when I got here this morning was I took a walk to the back. And there's this beautiful thing out back, this garden. Um, and it was kind of good timing this week that I'm here because the first crop of food came to Royal City Mission this week, right? The first, I, I don't know, yeah, that's amazing. So a couple huge containers of onions, beans, kale, beets. Can you remember what else was there? That's, that's about it, eh? But amazing. Um, and, and so if you don't know about Royal City Mission, so we are uh, yeah downtown church. I am both the pastor and executive director at Royal City Mission. And uh, we serve meals Monday to Saturday, um, three meals a day, in partnership with many places. Last week we did 1,730 meals. So um, that's with about 200 visitors a day to the program. So you are part of that. And that garden... Is, is a huge part of that. We freeze the food and we use it uh, during the year. Uh, so we're very grateful to those that do that. And it's kind of great that I'm talking about uh, the soil uh, this week in that, right? I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of the parables. I was a fine art major, so images are really important to me. And I think what Jesus does in parables is he paints pictures, right? Just these simple Pictures that are so complex. Kind of like us, right? And we tend to think that we have a really good idea of what the parables mean. However, in the text today, we see this, something happen. The disciples are confused, right? And it's pretty interesting because this parable is sort of the beginning of Jesus' uh, use of the parables. And people that are with him, his followers, they speak his language, they wear the same shoes, they walk the same roads, they eat the same food, and yet they're confused. But us, you know, hundreds of years later, we come into it and we think we know exactly what Jesus is talking about. And then we consider those disciples a bunch of dolts. At least I often do that. And I would say that Jesus' disciples are adults, and I'm included in it. Um, and I only highlight that, that idea that we don't understand just as a way um, to remind us that we don't know everything. Do you know that? We don't know everything. Yeah. And that we can hold tightly to certain things. So I think we need to hold loosely to our ideas of God but hold tightly to the love of God. And often I've, been, I've done the exact opposite. I've held tightly to my ideas of God, and I've held loosely to the love of God, and it's always to my detriment and to those, the detriment of those around me. Right? My ideas of God are only a glimpse. Paul the Apostle says, for now we see through a glass darkly but then face-to-face. We're looking through sunglasses, not rose glasses. Parables were not just stories with simple meanings. They were Jesus' way of challenging the status quo. They're not just moral, moral stories with takeaways. They're ways to challenge even systems of power. And it seems that Jesus 
spoke in this way to try to open our hearts, not just to engage our minds. We are rational people. We like to think that rationale is the highest form of of experience, and it's not necessarily true. So these parables, they're, they're images to be gazed at. They hold us. Maybe they mean something different to us at different times in our lives. I'm sure for some of you that's true. But this passage opens up with Jesus sitting by the lake. I was lucky enough a couple months ago to take six weeks sabbatical, and my only plan was to sit beside the ocean. Because there's something amazing in sitting beside the body of water. And we see Jesus taking this posture, right? He's spending time in silence, in prayer, in meditation, contemplation, whatever you want to call it. And, and that posture may have been the very thing that allowed Jesus to talk in this simple yet complex way, in a way that reached people. And it might also be the posture that we ourselves need to live out these simple but complex stories. Right? For hundreds of years, that, this parable has been known as the parable of the sower. And yet almost every teaching I've ever heard is on the soil. Which is interesting, isn't it? Even Jesus calls it the parable of the sower. I think that's part of our human nature, to make everything about us, because we identify as the soil. And you might say, well, Kevin, but Jesus also interpreted that way. And I'd I'd say, yeah, he did. But Jesus also does things like that. He steps into who we are, and we put ourselves at the center. So Jesus comes and says, okay, I'll... I'll address that. But you have to realize that he puts it into a bigger picture. So immediately after this story, Jesus jumps into another story about a sower. Well, a farmer, actually. It's in Matthew 13, 24 to 30, and I'm just going to read it to you. Here's another story that Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's worker went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied, you will uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, to tie them into bundles and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. So the the parable of the sower and the parable of the farmer, they speak volumes about this sower and this farmer, much more than they do about the soil, actually. So when Jesus interprets the parable, it's in the middle of this bigger picture of the way that God sees the kingdom. Do you ever get worried when people talk on this this, uh, story? that you were a rocky soil? Did you ever get worried that you didn't have enough depth to you for the, the seeds to root? Did, did you ever think, my pathways are so trampled, there's not possibly a way anything will grow? But Jesus points to the farmer or the sower 
and says, I sow seed everywhere, even in the rocky soil, even on the trampled ground, even where it doesn't seem deep enough. And as I form the earth, I can transform rocky soil. If we're honest, all of us are rocky soil that's been transformed. Brian, how much work did it take to get that field ready? Uh, Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just went out through seed, right? Yeah, that's great. No, I mean at the beginning. At the beginning. Twelve dump truck loads. Twelve dump truck loads, yeah. It takes work, right? But it needs to be transformed. And look what happens when it's transformed. Luckily for us, that God does the dump trucking instead of us, right, in in lives. But often seems to me that we are way more worried about the condition of the soil we're scattering seed in than God does. There's lots of different views on this idea of who the sower is. For me, in my journey right now, I'm looking at this sower as God. Right? God the Father. And from the beginning, God has sown his breath into everything. And when I say from the beginning, I mean right from the beginning. Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1-3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Do you catch the image of God scattering seed, the light? The Bible project says this about that, that, uh, the water at the beginning. Chaotic water is the first image given in the Bible. It's meant to convey a state of uncreation, a state that is unwelcoming and uninhabitable of life. God looks upon the state of the uninhabitable and throws seed. God looks upon the places that are unwelcoming of life and throws seed onto the rocky soil. The Spirit of God hovers over the waters, over our rocky soil, over our trampled ground, and says, let there be light. And he scatters seed everywhere. What kind of farmer waste seed on soil that won't produce. Well, can you imagine his followers, these people that are listening to him, they probably had to dig up the earth to get ready. They probably tried to dig gardens. They would know how precious seeds were. You can imagine them. They're saying, but Jesus, that farmer's wasting precious seeds on ground that won't grow anything. Why doesn't he only put seed in the best soil? in the good soil. Imagine that. None of us would be here. God created this world, ex nihilo. That means out of nothing. It's one of the core tenets of of the church for a long time, that God created out of nothing. How arrogant it is for us to believe that God was able to create all things out of nothing, and yet we think people have to come him, to him as perfect soil. We often require that of others and of ourselves. And in doing so, we put up barriers to people that keep them away instead of inviting them in.
But the same God that formed the mountains that said, let there be light, is doing the work of transforming rocky soil into fertile ground. The scriptures say it this way in in Isaiah 43. Do you not see it? I will make pathways through the wilderness. I will create rivers in dry wasteland. God the sower is in the business of transforming deserts into streams, of transforming death into life. And God calls light out of darkness and life out of uninhabitable soil. Another image of that is the resurrection of Jesus. Life out of death. One of my favorite authors, Robert Farrar Capone, says this, the parables are one and all about the foolishness by which God raises the dead. They apply to no sensible process at all, only to the divine insanity that brings everything out of nothing. I love that. And even though Jesus interprets this parable in a way that might leave us anxious about the kind of soil we are, the big narrative throughout Scripture and even through the parables is creates despite the kind of soil. If I'm honest with myself, and maybe if you're honest with yourself, we would acknowledge that the condition of our soil is quite rocky. Still, paths have been created where I continue to walk the wrong ways. And yet I always experience the light and love of God's seed planting. Growing up, I was taught mostly that, that the seeds being scattered, the Word of God, was the Bible. And, and that interpretation, to be honest, has led to a lot of damage. Because what we've seen is people quoting Scripture at people. Do you know the difference in quoting Scripture at people and reading Scripture together? Huge, right? And maybe there are times where it's applicable But most often when I see someone downtown yelling scripture at people, it just turns me off and I don't want to be identified with them. Happens a lot, actually. We're not reading on this idea of of what the word of God that's being scattered or the seeds that are being scattered, depending on your your, um, translation. I was reading a uh, Jewish Christian interpretation, and he says the seed scattered or the word scattered is the Torah. Interesting. There's a lot of different thoughts on this. So, but today, I want to consider this image as the Word of God, the capital Word of God, Jesus, right, the Son of God. Listen, listen to John 1, 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. I can't help but hear the sower here. right? Sowing his son, the word, into all of creation. All of creation. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. 
And it goes on in verses 9 to 14. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were not born of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So you might be saying to me, why does this even matter? I'd be saying that to me right now. But for me, this image helps to take away fear and anxiety. If we hold this image of God, the silly farmer that has sown the seed of his son into all of creation, including us, then we never step anywhere God isn't present. There's no situation that the word has not been planted. There's no person where the light has been put out. There's no soil too rocky for life to bloom. The psalmist says this very beautifully in Psalm 139, from 7 to 12, I can never escape from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day, and darkness and light are the same to you. You know that fear and anxiety have a foothold in society. Yeah. Any, can anybody relate to that? Like is, I mean, especially after that terrible C word happened, right? People are afraid. They're anxious. But the image of this farmer who sows seed on soil that he is able to transform can be very helpful, right? The seed that is Jesus the Christ can also remove our fears. Paul talks about this a little bit, not exactly, but gives us encouragement in Ephesians 1, 19 to 23. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Christ is sown into everything. He fills all things everywhere with himself. I find that tremendously freeing. I know that in moments of pain and frustration, anxiety, I can forget that the seed or the word is sown in everything. I miss it. And in judgment, sometimes I look at others and I don't believe that Christ could possibly be taking root there. But I have to pray, God, help my unbelief. Justin 
prayed this morning that we would both be challenged and encouraged this morning, and I pray that that is true. Thank you.